Today is March 5th, 2021. The Democrats get set to advance more COVID stimulus, and the House of Representatives pass a gigantic voting rights bill. Welcome back, Split the Difference friends, and Split the Difference family, we got the best episode that we've done for you so far. I'm just going to go ahead, throw it out there early on, because we've got all the best news and insights from the left and the right side of the aisle today, splitting that difference to find that sweet, sweet truth that lies right there in the middle. If you've never been with us before, a little bit about what we do here. Our goal is to try and look at things from the perspective of both sides of the aisle and the politics that are running rampant in our country today, our goal is to hopefully cultivate a bit of a good community, have good conversation, have conversations hopefully with people that we may disagree with at times, and be honest about our opinions, hopefully have educated opinions, and work to find a little bit of a middle ground where at all it is possible. So if that is something that you are interested in, go ahead and hop along with me as I come on into our first story of the day, Story number one. So today we actually are going to be doing things a little bit differently. We're only going to have two stories. Normally I have three, but the two stories today are actually pretty big and there are a lot of different things and a lot of different nuances that I think would be beneficial for us to kind of parse through in these two stories. So we're only covering two and the episode may be a little bit shorter as a result, but hopefully we're going to really get into the needy greedy of all the different stuff happening in our stories. So for our first story, We are looking at the Democrats who are trying to get more COVID stimulus passed. So last week, the House of Representatives passed a COVID stimulus package that is now being voted on in the Senate. It is looking like the Senate is probably going to pass it right around, maybe around Thursday, maybe tomorrow or something. They're making a number of adjustments to the package. And then once the Senate votes on it and pass it, which they very likely will pass it because they only have to have 50 votes needed, well, 51 with Kamala Harris voting, in order to actually be able to get the legislation passed back on over to the House. From there, the House will take another look at it. They'll decide whether or not they agree with the changes that the Senate made, which most people are saying or believe that they will. Uh, The House will vote on it, likely pass it again, and then it'll go on up to President Biden. Biden then, of course, will decide whether or not he wants to veto it. It would be very, 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 very surprising if he vetoed it, and he will then sign it into law. So, Uh, Let's go ahead and hop in real quick, take a look. This is CNBC doing some reporting on this about a day or so ago. Uh, We have some breaking news this morning in Washington that could impact future stimulus measures. Elon Moy joins us with the latest. Elon. Well, Andrew, the COVID relief package is still winding its way through Congress, but today 10 Democratic senators are going to be laying down a marker for the next stimulus package. They're calling on President Biden to make sure that his massive infrastructure and investment plan includes an extension of unemployment benefits and recurring stimulus payments. And importantly, they want to tie those benefits to broader economic conditions. Now, this idea of automatic stabilizers does have the backing of key committee chairmen, including Bernie Sanders, Ron Wyden, Sherrod Brown, and others. And in a new letter to President Biden, they wrote, this crisis is far from over and families deserve certainty that they can put food on the table and keep a roof over their heads. Families should not be at the mercy of constantly shifting legislative timelines and ad hoc solutions. Okay, so 
Republicans basically have no way of blocking this because it is being done through a process called a budget reconciliation. So this allows for the Democrats to move this legislation through without having to have the 60 vote majority in the Senate that they normally would be required to have in order to be able to pass some sort of bill, some sort of act getting something signed into law. So that is not to say that the Republicans aren't going to try and stymie or slow down this legislation as much as they possibly can. Senator Ron Johnson of Wisconsin said on Wednesday that he would force the Senate staff to read the full piece of legislation aloud, like out loud. They're going to read the whole piece of legislation. This could take up to 10 hours <laughs> by Lanta. So at this point, the Republicans are just trying to like, all right, we know that we're not going to be able to get stop it, right? But we're going to put we're going to make this as much of a headache as we possibly can, um, especially if we know that it would you know make a whole bunch of the Democrats mad. Um, it also should not be incredibly surprising that it takes ten hours to read all the way through a piece of legislation. Oftentimes, these things have so much extra stuff crammed into them. And they are, they can be just thousands and thousands of pages long. And of course, most of the time when they vote on these bills or vote on these pieces of legislation, they'll bring it in and give all the senators like three hours to read it, right? And there's no way the senators can actually read it in three hours. So you end you end up voting on something you have no idea the extent to which it covers a wide gambit of random different things, right? Uh, and that's why I think. Uh, Ron Johnson is like, no, I'm going to try and force force the Democrats' hand to actually read the entire thing. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, will it actually stop it? Of course not. So the legislation is supposed to do a number of things, okay? First, it's supposed to send out a $1,400 direct stimulus check to many Americans, provide $350 billion to state and local governments, fund vaccine distribution, expand the child tax credit, and among a wide variety of other different measures. So there is a one thing that I will say in case you're wondering whether or not you're going to get the stimulus check. Okay. They are making, they're changing the income bands for who is going to receive the, the stimulus check, but they're not changing the income bands for who, re who received the stimulus check before they're changing when the stimulus check actually gets phased out above the highest um, income brackets. So the income bands before were $75,000 for someone that is filing as a single person or $150,000 if you are filing jointly, if you're married filing jointly. So what they're basically doing is they're stepping in and they're being like, well, we no, we probably shouldn't just be giving this all this money out to people that don't really need it because that's kind of a bad look. So what we're going to do is we're just going to phase it out much more quickly if you're over $150,000 and you're married filing jointly or over $75,000 uh, and you're um, just filing singly. So you will still get the check if you got the check before. Same process goes by. However, if you are making like $175,000 as a married couple, you very likely will not get it. Whereas before, you might have just gotten a stimulus check just, you know, pared down a whole lot. So the most notable change from the Senate that the Senate actually came through and actually made was specifically around the raising of the minimum wage. So if you guys remember back a really long time ago, like three weeks ago or so, 
I did a whole thing talking about on our podcast, the idea and the proposition of the house wanting to put in raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour through this COVID stimulus bill. It went back and forth a whole lot. There were Republicans that were upset about it, saying that they couldn't do it. There were a bunch of Democrats that were saying that this is needed to be done for a really long time. And it went back and forth. Eventually, the house ended up putting in a raising of the $15 minimum wage by the year of 2025 into the COVID stimulus package that was being put together and voted on. The House, of course, then passes that package with the $15 raise in the minimum wage. They kick it over to the Senate, and in the Senate, there is a nonpartisan parliamentarian, is what they're called. And they, that person basically goes through and reviews some of the specific rules for really more nuanced things within the Senate, and decides whether or not uh, the House or various people in both chambers of Congress are actually abiding by the rules that have been preset for whatever procedure is going on. So in this case, the procedure that's going on is budget reconciliation. There are only specific things that you can actually use reconciliation for. The nonpartisan parliamentarian found that raising the federal minimum wage does actually not comply with reconciliation rules. So... The Senate had to go through and to actually take that part of the stimulus package out, uh, much to the dismay of many Democrats, much to the joy of many Republicans. Um, it was within the, like I said, within the, everything that passed within the House of Representatives. So as a result, this bill is different and it will have to be kicked back and voted on in the House as a result. So the Democrats, of course, are absolutely thrilled to finally have this moving forward. There are many, many Democrats that have campaigned on before 2020 getting more stimulus passed through Congress. But that was one thing that Biden actually campaigned very, very heavily on is getting in and one defeating the coronavirus completely and having it go away. But number two, making sure that Americans got every single dime that they possibly could if they needed it. Okay. Many Democrats have actually been extremely critical of Congress and especially the Biden administration because it has taken so long for something to actually get passed in the way of COVID stimulus. Obviously, nobody's gotten their check so far, and a lot of Democrats are super upset about it. There's nothing that Democrats want more than to be able to get that COVID check sent out to every single person that would be eligible for it. And, I mean, to their defense, this is definitely something that Biden talked a lot about leading up to the election, that this was something that he wanted to get pushed through as soon as he got into office. And, well, it's been two months, almost, and still no stimulus checks, still no COVID bill. So, um, one of the reasons obviously why Democrats want to be able to get something like this pushed as quickly as possible is because they know these are things that Americans in a lot of ways need, but in really it's a lot of things that Americans want. Americans love to be able to get a check from the government. Everybody does. That is always how it ends up going, working out, right? If you ask pretty much anybody in the country, and they want to get, quote unquote, free money from the government, they're going to say yes, right? Of course they do, because they don't necessarily think about the tax consequences and everything that's going to end up happening coming down the pike in 10 or 15 or 20 years as a result of, you know, passing a $2 trillion stimulus package. They're just like, man, it'd be really nice if me and my wife together got $2,800 from the government, right? And so far, there's been a lot of stimulus checks that have been sent out. So, there are also a lot of Democrats that are pushing very, very hard for this to not be the last stimulus package. A lot of them want for all of the bills that Biden tries to pass this year 
to basically be similar in the layout to this. So whether it's his infrastructure bill, uh, whether it's his healthcare bill, all of these things would basically be kind of built upon and around being able to hand out direct payments to citizens in America. Many people are calling for it. And like earlier, actually, you saw in the news clip by CNBC there, many people in, in Congress right now, and especially senators, are actually pushing for continuous stimulus payments to be handed out, not just as unemployment benefits, but actually to be sending out regular stimulus payments from the government over the next couple of months to help boost the economy and get it back up to just roaring standards, right? At the end of the day, basically saying enough is never enough. So the Republicans are obviously incredibly angry about this, uh, but they realize there's not a whole lot that they can do about it. Not only are they not only not able to stop it, but by opposing the legislation that will give a bunch of Americans, like I said, quote unquote, free money uh, from the government, it's kind of a bad look, right? Republicans are seen as the ones right now standing up in Congress and saying, no, I don't think it's a responsible thing to be handing out all of these payments and all of this money to people that may or may not actually need it, the government should probably keep this money and invest it back into a lot of other things. Much of the Republican argument is basically this. It appears like the economic, uh, by a lot of economic measures, the economy seems to be growing again. Although it may be slight, does look like things are kind of getting boosted back up. And, you know, we know, secondly, that their vaccine distribution is going through the roof. We're getting all these different vaccine uh, strains that are coming out or different vaccines made by different companies, whether it's Johnson & Johnson or Moderna or BioNTech and Pfizer. We've got these different vaccines. We're getting them out and we're getting them into the arms of the people and we're going to re reach herd immunity, whatever that looks like, eventually. And at, when that happens, the economy is just going to be booming again, okay? And as a result, we don't need all of this stimulus, right? We don't need these stimulus payments. The economy is coming back in the way that it should. The reason why you're handing out money from the government is, of course, to be able to spur on economic growth. Um, so at the end of all of it, honestly, I think that much of this COVID stimulus that's being handed out is very, very much for political gains. It just looks very good if you're the senator or you're the representative that signs into legislation through whatever ways that you possibly can to be able to get people money into their pockets. There are absolutely people in this country that need it. I've said it before, I will say it again, of course there are people that are struggling right now and that need this money in their pockets. However, the data shows that those people are actually, that group of people is significantly smaller than a lot of politicians would like, to you think, like for you to think that it is. This coronavirus pandemic has primarily hit low-wage and low-income earners the hardest, which sucks because those are the people that you would hope that it wouldn't hit the hardest. But it has. It has absolutely destroyed the pocketbooks of a lot of people that were living paycheck to paycheck, that were renting out homes. It hasn't severely affected people that own homes so far. We're not seeing a gigantic mortgage crisis that you would normally see during a recession where people are unable to pay their bills because they lose their jobs. When it comes down to it, the labor market has did tighten a fair amount. However, it does look like the labor market is coming back. Unemployment is slowly but surely coming back down, and the jobless claims are coming down as well. 
I think personally, and granted, I'm not in Washington, you know, I'm just a humble political pundit over here, but the best thing that this money could be spent on is updating the systems in which we figure out how people actually are doing if there's an economic recession. There are plenty of different ways that we could update systems in place where we would be able to figure out whether or not people actually have been incredibly negatively affected by the coronavirus pandemic. We currently are using 2019 tax returns in order to be able to decide who is going to get the COVID stimulus. That's a terrible metric to use to to send anything out to people. There are plenty of people in 2020 that actually lost their jobs through the pandemic, but were you know making gangbusters money in 2019, and now they don't have any money, right? Plenty of situations like that that are happening all across the country, and the government doesn't know who to send this money to. I think one of the best ways is obviously to give it out through unemployment, but most of the money that there's putting a lot of this into is unfortunately going to large corporations. That's happening a ton. Um, And it's going out in the form of stimulus payments, right? Stimulus checks. When it all comes down to it, the buck will have to stop eventually, okay? The government cannot continue to just pay out and pay out and pay out and pay out money. There will have to come a point in time where the United States looks at itself and it's like, all right, we're completely overspent. We don't have a dime left. It's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Uh, And unfortunately, it's going to end up pushing us further and further into debt, especially after we had the past four years of Trump, where he lowered the taxes and then obviously significantly lowered the revenue that the government was taking in, but didn't take away hardly any of the spending, if anything, spending went up. So now we're going into a further hole, which is definitely not what we need. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our first story of the day. Let's hop on in to our second story, story number two. So for our second story of the day, the Democrats look to pass a big voting rights act. Okay. It's called the For the People Act. And this is one of the, they're touting it as one of the largest voting rights bills that has been passed since the 1960s. It is specifically changing the laws around voting, campaign finance, and ethics. Okay. Those are the big things. Uh, this has been honestly probably one of the hottest subjects over this past year, especially after the 2020 election. And the Democrats are ready to move forward on it. So with that having been said, let's go ahead and listen to an MSNBC reporting on this now. Tonight, the U.S. House of Representatives is scheduled to vote on H.R. 1, the so-called For the People Act, a bill touted by House Speaker Nancy Pelosi as a win for transparency and election integrity. But conservative lawmakers and even pro-life groups say, don't be fooled. Capitol Hill correspondent Eric Rosales reports. Eric? Well, Tracy, Democrats just wrapped up a press conference where they talked about why they're rushing H.R. 1 through the Congress, and it's all for election integrity. But Republicans I spoke with say, hold on. It has more to do about politicians than it does about the people. And they add that Democrats will get a real advantage in future elections because it eliminates all the safeguards. Okay, so uh, there were multiple Democrats that actually campaigned on election reform. Most notably, probably, were the two senators out of Georgia, Ossoff and Warnock. Uh, both won their you know, respective runoffs in January. Both came out multiple times and said that one of the number one initiatives that they wanted to pass in going into Congress was voting rights bills that would be basically on par with the Civil Rights Act of 1965. 
So this bill basically does a few things, okay? First, the bill would expand access to the ballot box by creating automatic voter registration across the country. It would restore the voting rights of formerly incarcerated people. It would expand early voting, eliminate the need for identification to vote, modernize Americans' voting system. The bill would also strengthen oversight of political lobbying and campaign finance by preventing members of Congress from serving on corporate boards. And lastly, it would require presidents to release their tax returns. So that's a lot. There's a lot packed in there. In fact, there's probably much, much, much more than that in there. Those were pretty much just the highlights that I kind of wanted to pull out. So there are clearly a lot of very, very heated arguments about this on both sides. And while I do not believe that there was rampant voter fraud in the 2020 election by any stretch of the imagination as much as Trump and many other Republicans would like to say that there was, there absolutely needs to be conversations around reforming much of our election system and how it currently sits. With the increased prevalence of mail-in voting, ballot harvesting, and gigantic sums of money being donated, our electoral system needs to be reformed to address a lot of these issues in a multiplicity of different ways, okay? Now, we'll get into what the left says, what the right says, and then we're going to get into what, you know, I think actually is good or bad about this. So the left. The left, like I said earlier, lauds this as one of the greatest voting rights achievements that has happened within the last 50 years or so. Um, Basically, a lot of the arguments from the left have been that our election system is too particular and you know, basically keeps people from being able to go in and vote and allows, we need to be allowing more people to vote. We need to stop gerrymandering, which is basically the practice of rewriting and redrawing districts in order to be able to get, you know, maybe favorable lines for your one party or another. Uh, we basically, uh, the, the Democrats are like, we, if we want to instill a whole more, a whole lot more confidence in our election system, then what we need to do is we need to open things up so that more people had the opportunity to vote. Republicans are just out there trying to keep people from getting to the ballot box. Okay. The right, on the other hand, views this as a direct assault on the integrity of our, our election system. So our election system, whether many like it or not, whether I guess many Republicans like it or not, is actually really, really difficult to take advantage of um, because it's incredibly decentralized. In a lot of ways, uh, it's based upon states deciding and making their own election rules. So Republicans are coming through and saying, this is taking a lot of the power away from states to be able to decide how to carry out elections on their own. And as a result, this is much more of a state's rights issue than anything else. The federal government cannot and should not be stepping into to be able to take over a lot of the different things that states have the right to be able to legislate. Now, now what the Republicans are saying is that the House is coming through and they're trying to pass legislation that would be stepping on the toes of every state in the union. So there are some things that I like about this bill and there are some things that I don't. I'm going to walk through a couple of things. So first, I will start with the campaign finance reforms. I do like this. I think that we have a huge problem in America of big money controlling a lot of the things that happen in politics in our country. 
Everything from taking congressmen and women out to expensive dinners and giving them kickbacks to large corporations having the ability to invest millions and millions of dollars into the campaigns of particular candidates so that their bidding gets done once that candidate actually makes it into office. Putting more scrutiny around the lobbying and the campaign finance system in America is something that has been needing to happen for a very, very long time. There is no reason why someone in Congress should be able to sit on the board of Exxon or to be able to sit on the board of Walmart or Amazon or any of these gigantic corporations that have millions and millions of dollars to throw around. Because what ends up happening is you have a congressman or woman that is sitting on that board and they're listening to the complaints of and the you know, basically what's happening within that company. And then they're taking that back to Congress and they obviously have a conflict of interest there. They want the company that they sit on the board of to do well. Of course they do. They're sitting on the board of the company. So when legislation gets passed through that would substantially hurt the company that they sit on the board of, they're obviously going to vote against it regardless of if it's actually good for the benefit of the voting electorate that they represent. So the second thing, a push towards not requiring identification. So this, they can't technically like completely strip away state's ability to be able to force identification. However, they can basically make it much easier to either not have identification or, uh, kind of push states in the direction of you they can't force people to have right so like they can't go in and say, tell a state exactly what to do but they can make it difficult on a state if they want to force identification so i do not like this don't like it at all. It is common sense that you would need to prove your identity as a United States citizen in order to vote in the United States. Almost every other developed country in the world requires an identification, a government-given identification, because it prevents fraud. It's difficult to fabricate a United States federal ID. And there's a reason why it's difficult to fabricate that. You need to be able to identify who the people are in a wide variety of different, you know, cases, not just voting. Okay. So if you went to Europe, if you told somebody in Europe right now that you could vote in the United States without having an ID, they'd be absolutely blown away. They'd be like, what? How does that make sense? Somebody could just come in and just vote a million times. I, I, what do you, what do you mean? They can just go, they can vote wherever they want. You don't have to prove who you are. You go vote for some, somebody else, right? Of course, it's just common sense. I also do not buy the argument that is heavily pushed on the left side of the aisle that poor people or minorities can't get federally issued IDs. I think that is absolute nonsense. I literally think that in a lot of ways it insults the intelligence of minorities and poor people that to say that they can't figure out how to go and get a federal ID. Well, I, honestly, like how racist is it to say, well, you know, black people don't know how to go up and get a driver's license. What? Yes, they do. I don't, I don't, I don't get that. Even the argument that there's widespread voter suppression is not necessarily supported by data at all. There have been historically larger amounts of minority voters in within this past election and within the past tw two to three to four decades, minority people are coming out and voting in larger and larger and larger numbers as a percentage of their overall of their pop percentage of their population. And that's continuing to trend right straight upwards. I don't see even in heavily Republican states, uh, people being suppressed from being able to vote because there have continued to be more black people that are voting than ever before. Okay. So one, 
I don't buy in the idea that black people can't get an ID. That's ridiculous. Okay. And then secondly, I also don't buy into the idea that there, you know, minorities are being suppressed all over the country from being able to vote. That has happened in our country before, but it does not appear that it is happening now. Third thing is the modernization of the voting systems. This has been needing to happen for a long time. I am absolutely on board for that. So we are able to log in with our phones. It scans our face to prove our identity is actually us and send money instantaneously anywhere in the world with the click of a button. We're able to launch rockets that go all the way up into the atmosphere and leave Earth, then come all the way back down and land right back in the exact same position that they were before they left. We have systems built upon algorithms that use predictive analysis to send you marketing messages for things that you want to buy before you even have the thought to buy it. And yet, much of our country is still balloting with paper ballots. That is ridiculous. There is no reason why our voting system should be as archaic as they are. So the last thing, and I'll go through this one quickly, is expanding early voting. Personally, don't really see anything wrong with that. I am okay with you having to verify who the person's identity is, make sure that they actually are who they say they are, and then if they want to vote early, that's perfectly fine. If you refuse to allow early voting or any type of mail-in voting, which we could absolutely prove the identity of the people through mail-in voting as well with the technology that we have, that's a side note, but if we're not going to actually allow early voting, then you should at least have a federally mandated holiday on November 3rd, where every single person in the United States is able to get off of work to be able to go and actually vote. Okay. If their job does not let them have that day off, then, you know, you or that person's able to complain and that business would subsequently be punished for it. So, um, I would absolutely be blown away if this passes. Okay. It passed in the house where they don't need a, a, a gigantic majority in order to pass it. They just need one vote to pass it. And there's no doubt that McConnell will use the filibuster to kill this in the Senate, which I believe will be the first time actually that he's used it in this session. I'm sure that Democrats will, of course, use this as a time to call to, you know, in the filibuster because that's been talked about a lot too. But, um, Without changes, I don't see this passing in the Senate. I would just be really, really, really surprised. Uh, voting in election, uh, this has been a huge hot stick. I mean, just a just a sticking point for Republicans for a while, right? And I don't see the Republicans allowing or uh, you know easily letting the Democrats get legislation through. That would just be the polar opposite of a lot of the things that they want. So we'll have to see how it turns out, but we'll have to see because I I mean I don't I don't see this actually getting through, especially if Mitch McConnell has anything to say about it. So with all of that having been said, that is the end of our second story of the day, our last story. Let's go ahead and hop into the last segment, my favorite segment, something that made me smile. So something that made me smile this week is actually getting to go to my little sister-in-law's lacrosse game. She's in high school. She's killing it. I've never been to a, her lacrosse game before. I've really only been to one lacrosse game in my entire life. We didn't really grow up with that. Uh, so it's gonna, it was a ton of fun to be able to go see that, hang out. She killed it. I know there is no way that she's going to be listening to this because there's no way that you know any high schooler is nearly interested enough in politics to listen through the entirety of this episode. But 
Definitely enjoyed going and seeing her play, having a, having a good time with the family. So with all that, that is the end of our show. Thank you for stopping by and for checking us out. As always, y'all remember to follow me on Instagram at Split the Difference Podcast. I'm on Facebook and YouTube at Split the Difference and my website at splitthedifference.com with one T. Go and drop me those likes and subscribes because those things help a ton with getting a lot of my videos and some of the stuff that I'm talking about there out there into people's ears that may or may not have heard of me before. So remember, as always, y'all, we're going to do our best to stay level-headed. We're always going to be reasonable. And, of course, we're going to split the difference. This is Austin Taylor.